Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. First cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaben. That right there. Greg Ducharme. Greg, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to you too, Rick. I know it's a little earlier where you are, and yeah. I know you haven't had any trick-or-treaters yet. No. I haven't either, uh, but I'm wondering how many pieces of their candy have you stolen already? Uh, we, so here's the thing. So this is now the second, is this is the second or the third. It might be the third Halloween we've been here, but the first one might've been like co like October, 2020. And I don't think it, we have not had a, a trick or treat. No trick or treaters came last year. No zero. So yeah. So we don't, I don't think we live in like a great spot. Uh, so, egg? so we've got like one small bag of candy just in case, but I am not expecting much and I'm expecting uh, to eat all of that myself. What, what'd you go with? Is it a, is it a variety pack? Is yeah, it a single? Right. Like the, whatever they have, like the Hershey's Reese's Kit Kat, you know what I mean? Like the classics. Yeah. So, I mean, you're choosing this for yourself and I'm you're going chocolate over, yeah. you know, you're not getting Starburst. No, no, I'm not. I'm a, I'm a chocolate guy. I'm a Reese's Reese's cup. That's the king. Oh, it is number one for you. Number one by far, not close. Yeah, I it's uh to me it's number two on my board. Um, I I would have it as the second highest priced in the field. What would uh, be number one? Kit Kat would be number one for me. Kit Kat's good. Kit Kat's yeah, good. I love it. It's simple. It's uh, you know what you're gonna get. It's great. It's got great packaging. <laughs> it's got it all. You know who has the best marketing is Twix because you can do the left Twix or the right Twix. Oh, yeah. Twix is good. That's a good, yeah. But not even a candy bar, though. Apparently, it's a, known as a cookie bar. Ooh, that's, um, that could be debated. You have children, though. So have you been, have you been, uh, what is like the costume of the year? What, what's, what's everybody going as? Oh, you know, I, I don't know. There's, uh, I saw my son had a parade at school today. We had a Halloween party last night where I, I had to miss a little bit of it for our recap. So I didn't see a whole huge group of kids, but everybody at school was something different. I didn't see two of the same things. All right. Um, my family, we all went last night as, uh, characters from Sonic. I saw you were, hold on. Do not tell me. Cause I remember his name. Uh, I think his name's Dr. Robotnik. Uh, well he may be, it's egghead. Egghead. Yeah, he's an evil professor. Yeah. At least in the movie where Jim Carrey's in it, Jim Carrey plays this. He plays Egghead. He's an evil oh. professor. Okay. Now maybe this? in the in the comic book you might have that name right. This is from this. These are characters from Sonic. Is where you were going, right? Yes. Okay. So apparently, they changed his name over the years. Yeah, I, that makes sense. Over in the video game, he was Dr. Robotnik. That's how I know him. Okay. Now he's Dr. Eggman, which is first off, uh, if, if you haven't seen Eggman or Dr. Robotnik, it's, it's one hell of a mustache. Oh, it's awesome. And I had a fake mustache on. It's very, uh, full. It, it's something else. I mean, it was getting in my, it, it was getting in my mouth. It was very uncomfortable, which is how, you know, it's a, a high quality, piece of facial hair but it, yeah it, it took eric van royen and it kind of brings things into question on best mustache 
I love that. All right. Well, um, we'll see how many kids, if any, show up at the at the house tonight. We are we have a small small bag of candy just in case, but uh, otherwise, we think it's going to be pretty low key over here. You know where it's not going to be low key? Mayakoba, because uh, we're headed back to El Chameleon. Victor Hovland's going for his third consecutive win at this event. But let's talk golf course here, Greg. And producer Troy, if we could share my screen, that'd be splendid. There it is. El Chameleon Golf Club. Uh, This is, and correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, probably one of the true, like, accuracy over distance. Everyone kind of hits to the same spot. If you're wayward, you're in trouble. Yeah, you see only 7,000 yards, just a shade over. It's not overly long, uh, and it is a a Greg Norman design golf course, which many of them, in my experience, playing some uh, and – also what we see on the PGA tour, more importantly, they tend to give you a little bit of room, but if you miss what they give you, it's really penal. And so you see on this golf course, you see the Musgroves and areas where you can't even go looking for your golf ball. Right. But there is, there is some room. It's not so tight where, you know, normal, normal shots are ending up out of play. Uh, You gotta, you gotta hit good shots, but if you do, there's enough room. And I think the past palum greens are another factor here. Uh, something that's very interesting. They tend not to get as quick as, you know, gra- Bermuda grass greens and the Florida swing or something like that. Um, and they tend to have a little bit less break than most. Um, so I think driving accuracy, players who really can control their golf ball are going to be important. I do think the greens open up the field to a variety of different putting levels, if you will. I'm glad you brought up Paz Palm because th- it is, it's almost like the unknown entity in our world because the places that you see it are generally the tropical places near oceans. It does better um, with, with salt water. So it's, it's a, a strain of grass you'll find more in places where we don't usually have shot link. Greg. That's right. You're Which talking is- Puerto Rico. Yeah. Uh, Corrales. Yeah. Here. Yeah, uh, no shot link on any of those. Correct. We did have it at Kiowa. We did where there was there was strokes gain data. Yep. Uh, is there another one where we had data? Mexico. Oh, Mexico. Vedanta Vallarta. Yes. Has, has Palm Greens. Another Greg Norman golf course. Yes, but for the most part, we don't have the strokes gain putting numbers. But what is what I still like to look at, and I want to get your thoughts on this, are guys that play well. On it, right? So you'll see like Emiliano Grillo has a ton of rounds and gains a lot on past Palom Greens. Now, I cannot specifically attribute that to the putting just because we don't have the strokes gained breakdown, but it kind of goes into the thought process that um, there's not usually a ton of break. It's usually a little bit slower. It's usually a little bit more forgiving to the guys that generally struggle with the flat stick. Yes, and even think back to Mexico last year. John Rahm was struggling at the time with the putter, and he won. Tony Finau was in the mix before he really found his flow with the putting. Um, there are a lot of examples. Grillo is a, is a great example as well um, of somebody who Joel Damon when he yeah. won uh, he won down there. He he didn't necessarily have great results with the putter, so it can even things out. Um, but you got to have control of your golf ball. And if you do, well, you can make some of these putts. The The break is a big factor. The speed is a big factor. It levels the playing field on the greens a little bit. So now that being said, I still like guys who are doing pretty well recently with the putter. I still think that can breed some confidence, but I'm looking at that a little bit farther down the line. I'm much more interested in what they're doing off the tee. Uh, and even though the the data doesn't necessarily show it, I'm obviously interested, very interested in what they're doing with their iron play because uh, that will yield a lot of birdies. And when you combine those two things, ball striking, um, it, it gives you a really good sense of how they are feeling with their golf swing uh, and how much control they have over the golf ball. The other thing I can't, uh, I guess I could pull up the field from last year, but we've got kind of like a top heavy, fun little field here, right? Obviously, Victor going yeah. for the three Pete Scotty Scheffler's here, Colin Morikawa, Tony Finau. That's kind of the big four. So it's it's going to present some opportunities um, to, to get some bigger names in our lineups. Yes. Uh, and 
Now, I, I do think that 10K range, which has five, what, five players in it. Six, I think. Oh, six. Oh, yeah. Horschel's in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got six players in there. I think it's going to be really interesting how you kind of construct it. But I did find some really good value in the 6K range which you're taking a chance on some of these things, but I think there are some really good options down there, uh, which I'm really looking forward to getting to that. There's a couple players in the 7K range who I really like as well, and I feel like they may be a little underpriced. So I, I think you're going to have a, you know options at your disposal. If you really like one of these guys up in the ten dollars or $11,000 range, you can play them. Um, and, and you might be able to get two of them in there depending on who the guys are that you really like. So I, I think this is a really fun board because you have some of the big names and then there's a, it's a good crop of sleepers or value plays, if you will. Yeah. Um, and I, I think they kind of fit this golf course. It should be a great tournament. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's not beat around the bush any longer. Let's jump into the cheat sheet and find some names. But first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. And we're back. Here we go. $10,000 range. Two golfers over 11,000. Scotty Scheffler, 11-4. Victor Hovland, 11-2. Colin Morikawa at 10-6. Tony Finau, it's 10-4. Then we round this whole thing out with Aaron Wise at 10-2 and Billy Horschel at 10,000. Greg, before we even mention a name, worth noting, last week, Seamus Power was in the $10,000 range. He won the golf tournament. Uh, Thomas Dietrich finished second. He was in the $10,000 range. If you go to the DP World Tour, Jordan Smith, victorious. He was in the $10,000 range. The year of the chalk is turning into the decade of the chalk. Yes, it's incredible. It really is incredible. It's incredible. Uh, And uh, we've talked about it at length. We talked about it last night. We're probably going to talk about it uh, a week from now on Sunday. Yeah, we're talking about it right now. It's been incredible. Um, And if you really want to just take my rules, my typical rules of engagement and twist it around in my back, well, then Victor Hovland is your only play. He's going for a three-peat. He's in the $11,000 range. Uh, Clearly loves the golf course. And everything that we've seen over the past year says, yeah, he's going to win again. Uh, Because a lot of people think he is. And he's right there in the top two in pricing and DFS. And it just looks like Victor Hovland is going to win again on the PGA Tour. So congratulations, Victor. Uh, I can't wait to talk about it more throughout the week. It's funny. So um, Victor missed the cut in his first two starts uh, in 2019 and 2020. And so I, I asked him about this and he was actually getting like he's, he'd gotten a little pressure like, hey, why don't you skip Mayakoba, right? This might not be a, a great place for you. And he, as you know, he's, he's very mature for however old he is, like 24 or 25. And he's like, I'm only, you know, I'm in my early 20s. I'm not sure what good golf courses are for me yet, what bad golf courses are for me yet. He goes back in 2021, wins it, obviously defends last year. So, yeah, maybe maybe missing the cut in your first two starts is not uh, the end all be all. No, it's not. Especially when you're as young, it's not like a new event out on tour and you, you have experience and you've grown with the golf course. It doesn't fit your eye. It doesn't look like any of the places that you play well on. Um, but this from an outsider's view, even if you take away the, even if you take away the, um, the, the wins, there are a lot of things that go in his advantage here. Uh, one is he's a very accurate hitter of the ball. Uh, and he has he has some length too, so it really does give him an advantage. And and then his iron play, he's he's very aggressive. 
but the areas of concern, right? Short game. We talked about this at Congaree. Mm-hmm. That was a very concerning type of grass, very concerning areas around the greens. But Pospalum is one of the easiest surfaces to chip and pitch off of. Even though in Puerto Rico, Victor Hovland had his struggles, I think his short game is better than it was then. But this is a great surface if you struggle with it. It tends to sit up a little bit on that hardy grass. You get great lies around the greens, and it's not quite as tight as a, a Bermuda grass, especially Bermuda. Uh, it's not quite as tight as bent grass greens. So th- this really sets up well for him. And then you look at a guy who's been putting extremely well over the last little bit, not lights out, but he's a moderate gainer week in and week out. I wouldn't classify him as a great putter, uh, but he's a, definitely an adequate putter. And and he seems to have the, gr- the past Palom greens figured out with his success in both Puerto Rico uh, and now here at Mayacoba as well. Yeah, he's gained with the flat stick in like 10 of his last 11 starts. Not some, not all of them in, in a big way, but gaining is gaining. Uh, the only golfer more expensive, Greg, is Scotty Scheffler. $11,400 for a guy who looked at his putting, uh, realized it was a problem, made a putter change. At the CJ Cup, he went with that Scotty Cameron prototype, more of a mallet style putter as a pair uh, as a, a compared to the blade that he normally plays, and that was not the quick fix. In fact, uh, he lost four point two five strokes putting, the most since the twenty twenty one Tour Championship over a year ago. So, is Scotty lost with the putter? Is there a chance? Like that's the that's the only thing wrong. Every the, the rest of his game is unbelievable. If he puts to a plus one this week, he probably wins it. Yes, this is um, it, it's becoming concerning for me. Uh, I, it, it really is. Now, I will give him a little bit of leeway. I, w- when you go to a, a putter change like this, it, it, it typically it doesn't take a lot of time. Like you see somebody put a new driver in play and I'll give him a couple of weeks to kind of figure it out. But you also don't see that direct effect to scoring unless it's really bad. In which case, they're probably going to go back to the workshop and experiment a little more. But the one thing that I'll give him a break on about the CJ Cup is how difficult those greens were. Mm. Uh, They were extremely fast and very slopey and very stressful. And if you weren't quite trusting yourself, that is uh, not the place to not the tournament to try to figure all that out. So it's not surprising that he didn't have a lights out putting week just because of a new putter. I think the grains were really high level. Um, That being said, that can also really hurt your confidence and it can feel like, okay, I made this change, but I'm not sure that I I don't know yet if this is what I need to do. Um, But, now we're going to much easier, much more manageable putting surface. And if he's stuck to it and he really believes in that process and that plan, you could see him get by with the flat stick this week and still win. So I like I like Victor Hovland more than Scotty Scheffler because of these questions. But if there was a world where he was very unpopular and everybody had those concerns about the putter then I would be comfortable playing Scotty Scheffler. Because if, if there's one area of weakness I want in this event, it's putting. I think that it's more uh, easier to overcome than, say, driving accuracy. The three pass palm starts for Scotty Scheffler. T18 at the 2019 Mayakoba Championship, a T8 at that PGA Championship at Kiowa, and then a fourth-place finish uh, at this same event last Pretty good. Year. Yeah, pretty darn good. Uh, the rest of this 10K range, uh, Greg, let's just kind of open it up here. We've got Morikawa, we've got Tony Finau, we've got Aaron Wise, we've got Billy Horschel. I think we probably agree Morikawa and Finau are, uh, you know, long-term uh, in that upper tier, and then there's a, a drop-off to Horschel and Wise, but those two have been playing great, and you know I'm a big buyer on on Wise kind of longer term. Yeah, and I, I really, especially... Finau and Wise, I'm very keen on this week, but I think Morikawa is a really interesting conversation. Uh, And I have been looking at him for a while now. Really, well, the first two events this season, I said he's going to pop soon. We've seen some really good, really steady, um, you know, ball striking, which is to be expected. 
And in a year where he kind of lost his swing, he was still third on tour last year in strokes gain approach and right. seems to have remember, his fade do back. Do you remember how much we were like, oh my God, he's so lost. He has no idea what he's doing. He was third in strokes gain approach. Last yeah, year. it's amazing. He, he barely ever loses. It's just like <laughs> if he does, he loses a shot. And, and then he has the ability to gain five and six uh, just approaching the green. It's such a valuable asset. But the last two measured events... Uh, he's lost over six strokes putting. Now again, I there's a there's a way a world where I want to attack that. And if I think a lot of people are going to end up going to Hovland because of his record and Morikawa, these guys get lumped together sometimes. If everybody kind of favors Hovland because he's trying to three peat, well, Morikawa is this is a great spot for a, a flash up victory. I, I think these greens are a lot easier to putt. And, and I think someone with putting struggles can alleviate some of those issues. And then he checks every other box, right? He's as accurate as it gets with any club in his bag. He's going to put the ball in play. Uh, and and if he can just get a couple of putts to fall, the guy's going to be right up near the top of the leaderboard. So that's a, it's very concerning to me. And if he's the top dog you're playing, it's a big risk. Uh, but I, I think it could, I think it could pay off, especially if ownership is somewhat low on him. The other thing about this 10K range uh, as a whole is there's so much good course history here. You know, you met, we already mentioned Scheffler. He's gone 18th and fourth. We've already mentioned the Scotty Scheffler, or excuse me, Victor Hovland has has back to back victories. Uh, Finau. 16th and an eighth in in two of his last four. Aaron Wise, 15th, second, missed cut, 10th. That's his last four. Billy Horschel, no worse than 33rd with two top tens in his last four. So if you're a if you're a course history guy, uh the only one who doesn't meet the criteria is Morikawa, and that's just because he hasn't played it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it, it should be, I mean, maybe the best course fit of any of them. Right. If you took their previous results away and you looked at their style and what you what you want out here at Mayakoba, I, I think Colin Morikawa would be my top choice. Um, yet he doesn't have that. He doesn't have that. But man, I mean, th- Rick, this is a really hard range to parse through. Yeah, because I, I can make a great case for everybody. I mean, Tony Finau, look at what he's done with the putter. And and you know what he can do tee to green. So you look at what Tony Fina has done with the putter since uh, the Open Championship. He's gained strokes putting in every event. He's closed two tournaments out on Sunday. He's, he led the PGA Tour in final round scoring average last year. So Tony Fina in the last, you know, since July has answered the biggest questions, the biggest points that you could criticize Tony Finau on in his career before closing tournaments and putting he's answered the question on both of those. And what, what are we supposed to do with that? I mean, we're we going to fade him. We, we want Hovland that bad. I don't know. I think it's a really tough call. I think those two, I think Victor and Tony are going to be quite popular. And then I'll be interested to see kind of how the rest of um, this tier shakes itself out because you can't play all of them. You can play two of them. You can, but you can't play three of them and you can't play all of them. So So what's your strategy when you look at a a top of the board like this? Do you you try to play two of them? Do you go ownership based? Yeah, um, I would play two of them and I would at least one of them is probably going to end up being Scotty Scheffler or Colin Morikawa just because um, they are literally like their, their path to victory is very, very wide. And if they putt to a zero, they might win. And yeah. I think they're going to be the two guys kind of left behind. Morikawa is just in like the sandwich pricing of Hovland and Finau. And Scotty Scheffler being the most expensive with Victor Hovland right below makes me think that he kind of gets lost in the shuffle. So I, I'm I'm certainly going to have a lot of exposure to to these six in general, and I like two of them, um, and probably one of them being more of a game theory option. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair way because look, every one of them has a there's a great reason to play them. So yeah. it's it's hard to hard to make those decisions. I like where your head's at. Uh, the $9,000 range doesn't get much easier. Taylor Montgomery, Tom Hoagie, Mav McNeely, Seamus Power, fresh off victory. Jason Day, Emiliano Grillo, Brendan Todd. Uh, there's a lot to like here, Greg. Where do you where do you want to start? All right. Um, I want to start here with 
I'm not going to go in order of no, pricing. I'm just going to go my favorite play in this range, and it may surprise you. Uh, Jason Day. It doesn't surprise me. Uh, I've been watching Jason Day for a while. Obviously, I mean, a majority of his career, but of of late, he has answered a big question, just like Tony Finau. I love seeing this. Uh, um, earlier in the year in California, we saw him play well at Torrey. We saw him play well at Pebble. And questions started coming up as Jason Day back. And I had my concerns when when somebody who has great course history uh, has a resurgence on a course that they love. I always I'm always a little skeptical. Is this just Jason Day at Torrey and he loves the place and he knows how to get around there without his best stuff? I mean, he, he was just bleeding strokes approaching the green coming into that event. Yeah. And it, it cost him on the 16th hole, I think it was. Um, but but anyway, he just was really struggling in that department and. And then it didn't turn around and he wasn't back and he went through a really rough patch with his iron play. But since the three M open in July, end of July, he's gained strokes in every event. You're talking about seven, seven straight events where Jason day has gained strokes approaching the green. This is how Jason day became number one in the world. That's how he won a major. It's how he won five times in 2015. Right. I mean, this is a very dangerous combination when Jason Day starts striking it nicely with his irons. And I tell you, you watch him. He's got the distance control figured out. He's got trust. And if he were right now in that same situation at Torrey Pines on number 16 with that back left hole location with a chance to win, he would he would pull the shot off now. Um, and he wasn't ready for it then. So I'm I'm very high on him. Seven straight gaining on approach. You know the last time he did that, Greg? What, 2016? 17. 17. The end of 2017, it culminated at the Tour Championship that year. He was ranked, you want to guess what his world rank was? Three? Seven. Oh, still inside the top 10. So Yeah, I think that was the year he um, he contended in the PGA at Balti, I believe. Jimmy well, Walker won. Or that was 16. I'm sorry. Um, PGA, he won it in 15, then in 16, let's see. Balti, he was close. Yep. And then 17, he had that stretch then. So, so that culminated at the tour championship. Then he started off 2018, the new season. Great. And he won it. He won at tour at Tory a couple months later. Right. He he was feeling it then. He was feeling it. And this is why. This is the answer. You look at his results, where he finishes in, say, the FedEx Cup and where he finished approaching the green. Mm-hmm. And typically, if he's good with his irons, he finishes really high. Uh, and when the irons started to slip, his results started to slip a little bit as well. Uh, I'll throw out Brendan Todd. So yeah. The idea of so this is where like everything comes together, right? This is like, oh, Brandon Todd, what are his strengths? Well, he's a very good putter and he's very accurate off the tee. Okay, cool. What types of golf courses uh, should he fit well? How about El Chameleon? Yeah, on paper, that makes sense. Well, uh, yeah, it also makes sense off of paper too, because you look at the history around here, it is uh, the win. So last three years, win T8, T11. But here's the other thing, Greg. Look at this. So twice this season already, he's only played, he's played four times this year, gained five on approach at the Fortinet, seven at the CJ Cup on approach. That is not necessarily his bread and butter, but if he marries that with the great putter, keeping it in play on a golf course he loves, it's got to be a Todd situation. Yes. And this is like uh, another example. Uh, and he was one of the names I wrote down for this range too. It's another example of say the Russell Knox play last week, mm. which was looking better than it ended up for a while. But anyway, it's beside the point. A big area of weakness for him is the driving distance. Right. And so when it comes to strokes gain total, he loses a lot in uh, the off the tee game when he steps on the first tee because of the distance. So he has to be extremely precise off the tee to gain strokes. But here on this golf course, you need to be accurate. You don't need to be long. And so, again, it takes his biggest weakness 
and it mitigates it. And that should, in theory, highlight his strengths. And I think you've seen that in the past three years here. Uh, and right now, he has to be coming in feeling very confident with his game. Um, he's not going to be a every, you know, seven straight top 10 finishes kind of guy. He, but when, when you start to see him pop up at Fortinet at the CJ Cup and play nicely, hang in there at the Shriners, it's a really good sign. So I, I think I think Brendan Todd is probably my second favorite play in this range behind Jason Day. Uh, the rest are, are no scrubs, right? Seamus no. Bauer coming off the victory. He finished 11th at this event last year. McNeely has three straight top 18 finishes. He's never finished worse than 26th at this event. Tom Hoagie has found his form again. That's five straight top 13 finishes and a third place in 2021. And then Taylor Montgomery, who's straight across the board, eight consecutive starts inside the top 15. This is the dilemma, Greg. This is the problem with playing two guys in the tens is then you don't play anybody here and this is pretty rich so i think we have to have a conversation around uh, like uh, i i love all of these guys but is it worth passing all of these guys for two guys in the tens is it that big of a difference well they have they all have win equity right they they all do it there uh and and i think they're in some ways a little safer Right, right. They provide a really safe floor here. If if it weren't for the recent history that we've had, where all the favorites win, I mean, th- these this nine K group is strong enough to start a lineup in. We go two nine K guys. Oh, that's great. I mean, how do you say no to Tom Hoagie? He's gained over four strokes approaching the green in his last three events. In his last four events, he's gained strokes putting two or more. I mean, that is the recipe right there. And I've seen him miss some shorties. So he is putting better, good enough to be gaining uh, at least two, and he's still missing the shorties, which means there might be a little more juice to squeeze out of that. And how do you say no? How do you say no to that? Well, well, because Taylor Montgomery is right above him, who just doesn't know what outside the top 25 looks like. Right. He, he just doesn't know what it looks like. Now, Matt McNeely, you could start getting into and parsing this out and saying, well, you know, he he isn't gaining a lot of strokes, TD Green. So I can I can kind of rule him out, but then his course history is great. So that, that's kind of hard to rule out. We haven't mentioned Emiliano Grillo yet, who has been having a great season on the greens, a very nice season with his ball striking. And you know what his resume is here and on past Powell. So what are we what are we gonna do? I mean, I I I think you got to get somebody here in this lineup. Now maybe you can get a like an Aaron Wise and a Brendan Todd, and maybe you can end up with room for Tony Finau as well. I I think I think you get into this range if you don't go with Todd. It's tight. You're probably not you're not getting two 10k guys if you're getting one of these guys. No. So you got to pass over this range, but now look, we're we're down the board now. What ten guys, fifteen guys, mm-hmm. and there's one. I mean, how do you rule anybody out? You could play anybody in that group. I'd feel I, I could come up with a reason to play every single player in the ten, in the eleven, ten, and nine thousand dollar range. I can't disagree. Every it's single not- one of them. Yeah, it's stacked. This is the week, and I don't want to, I don't need to get off on a tangent of like PGA Tour live coverage or whatever. I don't I don't know what the coverage is this week, but this is such a good like people are tuning in to watch the guys they bet every week to watch the like like my dad probably doesn't care that Maverick McNeely or Tom Hoagie's playing in this event, but like I do, or like I want to see if Taylor Montgomery is gonna finish inside the top. This is such a good field for the people who follow this every week. Yes. And I mean, even when we get down to the eight sevens and sixes, there, there are guys down in the six K range who I want to know what they do. Uh, and, and if you're watching this right now, this is, you're licking your chops at this kind of, at this tournament, because the players that you're interested in are there uh, and the golf course seems to fit them really well. So I, I agree with you, Rick, this would be a great one to have, you know, every shot broadcasted. 
Um, well, I don't know if that helped that we just like everybody in the 9K range, but hey, we don't say that every single week. So we're going to we're gonna continue to roll on um, yeah. we'll to the eights and we'll find some value. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. $8,000 range. Harmon, Dietrich, K.H. Lee, Alex Noren, Russell Henley, Keith Mitchell. Then the bottom is Adam Hadwin, Andrew Putnam, Matt Kuchar. Small little $8,000 range considering this is a 120, 120 golfer field. Yeah. Uh, so so pretty big and a small $8,000 range here. And this is where I think we – there, there's some good guys here, but this is this is where the drop-off feels like it happens. Yes, I agree. Um, but I think there's some real ability level showing here in this range as well. Okay. Um, and, and it does make you feel a little bit more comfortable going with two 10K guys. So the first one I'll go to, Rick, is all the way down at the bottom of this range, and it's Matt Kuchar. I, I love Kuchar this week. Um, he's it, it's it's hard. It's really hard to compare him to you know, a, a Tom Hoagie or a Taylor Montgomery and say, well, his likelihood is as, as just as good to have a really high performance. But you look at what he's been doing lately, and it's a couple of really nice finishes, a couple of really nice ball striking weeks. Yeah. And now he goes to a golf course where, again, as we've said, accuracy is um, accuracy is the more important aspect. He's, still, uh, he's, he's one. Still very ac- he's still very accurate, Greg. Still very. Yeah. Uh, and and he's been gaining strokes uh, approaching the green lately, and he had a great putting season last year. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of things to really like about Matt Kuchar, including course history, course fit, recent form in the last you know two three weeks. There's a lot to like about Matt Kuchar, and and that price becomes really attractive as well. Is he using a local caddy this week or is he taking it? Uh, it's this week, right? This is the place. Yeah, this is the week. <laughs> yep, this is the week. When he won here and then all of a sudden a lot of right. station came out that he paid his caddy $5,000. I guess they had agreed upon it. But this right. was a big story when it happened. Yeah. People that, went nuts. That used to be the big story in golf. Is yeah, they they agree, which which I listen, I I get it. This this is a gray area where they agree before the week he's getting X amount of dollars. If he misses the cut, that caddy's getting that amount of money. Now he happens to go on and win it. And I think maybe uh, you know, if you win a million one point, whatever, maybe you up it a little bit. But that was the biggest story. Now it's like uh defamation cases, uh <laughs> political, political uh stories in the New York Times and the New Yorkers writing. It's just like think about how much has changed since then. Yeah. I bet you you won't even he won't be asked about it. Oh no, people are like, we got other stuff to care about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to live? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. No, nobody's wondering what you're paying your caddy. Uh, but anyway, hopefully he's not taking a local. He's bringing his guy with him. But I think he's I think he's set for a really good week. Um, Thomas Dietrich, worth noting, is in this range. So he is 80, I believe, 89. Yeah. 89. Yep. No, 80, 88. 88. 8,800. That is $1,700 less than his runner up finish last week. Now, I get it because this is obviously a, a much stronger field, but I, I keep going back to it being like top heavy, Greg, right? It's those, it's that that top 12 or whatever it is, the 10s and the 9s. And then it's pretty wide open after that. You could argue Dietrich got a $1,700 price increase and he's like the 13th best player in this field, which is pretty strong. 
Yeah, very strong. Uh, and the results speak for themselves. He's shown, he's definitely shown the ability to compete on the PGA Tour, right? That line that for some players is really difficult to jump where you've had success on the DP World Tour. You come over to the PGA Tour and things are just different, whether it's the travel or the coaching or the courses, whatever it is. Sometimes that creates an issue for players. Uh, and he's crossed that line really nicely with uh, with a couple of top 10 finishes, a runner-up in Bermuda last week. He's got to be feeling really good about his game. And I, I think it's a it's a nice spot to play him. I'm I'm a little I I don't like him as much as Brendan Todd, uh, and I don't like him as much as KH Lee mm. right below him. And I understand that why that's there's not really a good reason for it. But I'm I'm very interested in KH Lee, who also is coming off of a top five finish. Yeah, he's been great. But I just feel like the President's Cup gave him a boost of confidence. And I think you're going to start to see his game show like TPC Craig Ranch abilities uh, at other golf courses. And that's the next step for him. Uh, and, and I think that what he did at the CJ Cup was a big part in that. The only other one that I have a question about, Greg, is Brian Harmon. Um this is fascinating to me. Brian Harmon on paper, this should be a great spot for him. He's accurate off the tee, very good with his wedges. This has the shortest set of par threes on the PGA Tour. Three of them are 150 or shorter. One of them is like 112 on the scorecard or 129, something outrageous. Um, oh, which by the way, what was the what was that short par three at the country club? What number was that? Downhill? 11. Okay, 11. I knew it was like 11, 12, 13-ish, and I knew you would. You, yeah. You would. Um, great hole. Great hole. Now, Brian Harmon has been horrible here, which doesn't make any sense. He's played here nine times. It's a lot of losing strokes. His best finish is a T26. That was a decade ago. So what do you do with this? Uh, A really good course fit, a pretty decent lead-in form, but the course history, especially all things considered, is pretty abysmal. Yes. Uh, and, and I think, unfortunately, you're in a place where you got to stay away. Mm. Um, now, if you make your lineup and some of the guys we talk about below him in the you know sevens and sixes, if you really like some of those guys and you build your lineup that way and then you get your favorite top guy in there and you end up with enough room for a Brian Harmon. Um, well, my hope is that you have room for Brendan Todd instead. <laughs> so it, it'd be a complete contrarian play. Um, but I, I don't think you can trust that course history at this point. Um, not with all the other options around him. I mean, Dietrich is a great option. Todd's a great option. Cage Lee is a great option. And he kind of gets sandwiched in there. And while the recent form has been quite impressive and the course fits impressive, I, there, there's likely something he just doesn't like about it. Anybody else or anything else in the eights before I move us on to the side? Um, so one other guy who I think is probably in a similar position as Brian Harmon. I really like what he's been doing of late. Uh, Andrew Putnam. Yeah. It, I mean, it's been really good, but he his best finish here is a tied 62. Uh, T62 in 2014. He's played it four times. Uh, two missed cuts, a T64, a T62. But the one, the difference is, is he a, just a different player now? Has he kind of come into his own a little bit? I'm curious about that. I'd be more li- more willing to overlook Andrew Putnam's course history than I would Brian Harmon's. Yeah, I mean, you could make the case. So his 2022 season was his best season since 2019. And then it's obviously a very small sample size, but his 2023 season is currently on pace to be his best season ever. So you could you could argue he's a different golfer or a better golfer. It, yeah. it, it, could, it could hold a little bit of water. Yeah, and I just, I, I mean, his short game has been great. His iron play has been great. He's been putting lights out. Yeah. Um, it, it's just hard to look past for me. But he he would probably be my, I think I think I'd go KH Lee Kucher, Dietrich, Putnam would be my top four in this range. That's 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 pretty fair. I'm not 
I'm not going to argue too much with that. 7K range. Lots of guys here. Uh, starts with Patrick Rogers, who played well last week. Also, Sebastian Munoz. Then it goes down to the flat $7,000 price range. Austin Smotherman, he made a little bit of noise last week. Danny Willett, Martin Laird, Will Gordon, amongst others. So um, let's start picking this apart, Greg. Where do you want to start? Uh, I'll start right up at the top with Sebastian Munoz. Mm. Um now we know what happened at the at the President's Cup, which was spectacular. Since he's played the Zozo and the CJ Cup, uh, top forty in both of those, but nothing really spectacular. Kind of struggled on the greens a little bit, and doesn't have a great record here. But don't you feel like he's due for a sixty-one? Uh, he's he's always got it in him. He's like the only guy from the President's Cup, and it's weird because he was like the best one at the President's Cup who like yeah. didn't immediately snap off and contend. I I'm it's like we're just waiting for the rubber band to snap here. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm like, well, this is his turn. Uh, and again, not a great not a great record here, and maybe he's not a you know accurate enough to handle a golf course like this but I, I just i have a sense that you're going to see that rubber band snap to use your analogy and and i think i do think it could happen here so i'm very curious about him i feel like he's a little underpriced if he was at 8500 i don't think i'd be p- taking the chance but i'm much more willing at at 7900 uh, the other guy, or one of the guys, uh, Dean Burmeester, I've been kind of tracking. He's he's almost in the Thomas Dietrich camp of he's been playing all over. It's been some Corn Ferry Tour events. It's been some major championships. It's been some stuff on the DP World Tour. It's been some PGA Tour events to start this season. And kind of no matter what, he's played well, right? Scottish yeah. Open, T10, Open Championship, T11, had a great run at the Corn Ferry Tour playoffs where he had two top fives. Then he finished fourth at the Sanderson Farms just a couple of weeks ago. And then Las Vegas, he made the cut. Like, just put him in a field and watch him work his way towards the top of it. I, I like the way he kind of sets up when you can find your game literally across the globe. Yes, it that is a uh, a traveling scratch, if you will. <laughs> right, it works anywhere. So that that's a yeah. He's a he's a good player to um to he's a really good player to keep an eye on. I I think at seventy seven hundred as well. Harris English is another guy that I have my eye on too. This is a um, chance to be early, I think. Yes. Harris English, right, Greg? Yes. Now I've been I wanted to be early on him for the last three weeks. And it's been so so. Yeah. So so. But we've seen back to back events where he gained strokes appro- uh, approaching the green. And I just I have a feeling that things are getting a little a little better for him in the golf swing after his injury. Um, and, and he has a really nice record here as well, which goes a long way back to back top fives. He won here back in 2013. Yeah. Um, I, and it just, it feels like a good spot to get right. Yeah. That's what I mean when I like, yes, he seems he's, he's definitely playing better golf now than he, than he was last year. He seems to be trending in the right direction. And now he's going to, to maybe one of the better spots for him, right? The win in 2013, yeah. the back-to-back fifth place finishes that you mentioned. So that's, that's my chance of, I have not invested much in Harris English over the course of the last 12 months, but if I'm going to take a stab, uh, now feels like one of the better times to do it. Yeah, I, I agree. It's not as safe as Burmeester. Uh, by any means, but I, I think it's a good opportunity to take a risk and you're probably going to get some low ownership on them. I would imagine as well. Um, you got anybody else jump out to you around here? There's, there's two that I'll kind of throw together. Uh, Robbie Shelton is 7,600. Will Gordon is 7,000. They both played well for most of last week. Yeah. Uh, Will Gordon, I think struggled on the weekend, Robbie Shelton just on Saturday, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to kind of forgive and forget. Cause I saw the upside of the other couple of weeks. And then Joel Damon, um, I want to pull up his results here, but if you go and look at his past Palom stuff, obviously the win at Punta Cana, um, he's got a bunch of great past Palom history and it looks like he's starting to get back into shape, which is T13 at the Sanderson Farms, gaining four and a half strokes on approach, made the cut in Vegas, gained over four on approach there, and then finished 16th at the Zozo, which was a much more difficult field than those other two. I, I think we're, again, getting pretty good timing here on Joel Damon as he goes to a past Palom golf course. Yeah, I think so too. Trending in the right direction, but not... 
you know, on fire where everybody wants to go his way. So I I do, I think he's a, he's a really smart play here. Uh, And he's, he's an accurate hitter of the golf ball too. So the, the course fit is just perfect. Um, But I I had two other guys I wanted to mention as well. Sure. Um, Hayden Buckley and well, yeah, I guess Lee Hodges too, but Hayden Buckley, I think is really interesting Mm. and I can't figure out, it, like I feel like in a way I'm missing something because I always he is always this underpriced, you know, like this value play. You think you think this is a fair spot for him to be at seventy five hundred? I mean, you're talking about three straight top twenty finishes, including a tied fifth. A player who has elite skill sets, especially off the tee. Uh, has shown the ability to pop off with the putter and with the iron play as well. I, I feel like we're kind of ready for a slingshot to snap with him too. Yeah, this is pretty good. Um, great stat profile, great finishes, three straight top twenties. Um, I we had chatted about. I I watched a lot of his uh, play in Vegas, and he left a lot of strokes out there and still finished t twenty. I think that's why we played a lot of him at the Zozo Championship. Yes, and. I'll tell you what, I mean, the consistency in the ball striking categories uh, and the rest of the stat profile that I can live with, th- this is this is pretty solid for somebody who, what, what did you say it was, 7,500? Yeah, 7,500. It's pretty solid. I, f- I, feel like it's, it's, I feel like it's not enough. <laughs> um, anyway, so he, he, both he and Lee Hodges are, are um, second-year standouts. I had them on my list at the beginning of the year as second year standouts. And I, I think they're guys that I'll be watching week in and week out. I'll be mentioning their name every week here on this episode um, <laughs> until they show me a reason not to, or, or they become something that everybody else talks about before I get a chance to. So I, I love the profile of Lee Hodges as well. I, I've watched the golf swing. It's fantastic. He's shown an ability to handle some of the pressure uh, and I think he's ready to be a PGA Tour player now. Uh, and this is also another really good course fit for him. A lot of green on that player profile. Yeah. A lot of green. Nice to see. Okay. Uh, let's find some true value here in the $6,000 range. I mean, we can just start. Kevin, you, right? We were all, we duh. were all, duh, all over it last week. He's 6,900 bucks. He finished third. The ball striking numbers are. I assume we're there last week, but it doesn't really matter when you finish third. Um, but how can you not? He's now cheaper. He's cheaper now yeah. than he was in Bermuda. How can you not go back to Kevin Yu? You have to. And again, this isn't like a just a random player. We talked about it last week. It's exactly the same conversation, although now we know it. We thought it last week. Now we know it. Uh, And all of a sudden, this guy who's a college superstar is in the 6K range coming off a tied third finish. He's an elite player. He's been an elite player at every level. Um, The stat profile is a lot more um, attractive than the finishing positions were. Um, But now when you add this this T3 in there, it's like, okay, things have clicked for Kevin Yu. And he is the the you know the best value on the board if you leave ownership out of it he's the best value on the board so i'm i'm all in on on kevin you and it, i think there's opportunity to play two 6k guys which you you may have to do if you're going to go an 11 and a 10 yeah where else do you want to go here in the sixes i go down the board a little bit um, and I think another player that we talked about last week, we did pretty good with our value plays last I'll tell week. You what outside of me just writing Seamus Power off the planet of, planet of that that's on me. That's on me. But uh, we 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 kind of killed everything else. It was pretty yeah. Good. <laughs> it was really fun to. It was fun to see that in that field. Um, but I, again, I'm going back to the well with David Lingmurth. Okay, finished tied 11th in Bermuda. Um, another really accurate hitter of the ball. Um, not a not an overly long hitter. And I, I love the value here. I, I think um I, again, I, I just think it's a it's a great setup for him. And I think he's inspired to be playing. Now he's never made the cut here, but he has also hasn't played since 2017. So um I'm interested in him. He's also sixty three hundred. 
So I'm willing to take a chance on it. Let me also bring uh, Max McGreevy into the conversation. Yeah, I'm he not, played well. Yes, he did. And he had the best weekend of anybody last week. He gained like seven strokes on the weekend. But here's the problem. Can he do it again? Because look at this set of results, Greg. Um, I'm yeah. going to go back to the Canadian Open. Cut, 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 13th. Cut, 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 5th. Cut, 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 8th. That's that's very Garrick Higo esque. Yeah, it really worry it it worries me. Now, unless there's one time when I would I would look at that and say, yeah, he's a good play. Um, and you see those four boxes up on the top center of your screen. Yeah. If the top two are green, and the bottom two, or preferably the bottom right one, is red, <laughs> and that's the hinge point. You know, you see, well, if you, ha- if you see a green box in the putting category, then you see one of those top five finishes in uh, the results column. But we don't really see that trend here. There's a lot of losing with the ball striking. Yeah. And so that inconsistency of results matches. And I don't expect to see anything different this week. It's just impossible to predict. You know, you could you could roll them out. It's just it's just impossible. But do you like that? Like looking at the last two rounds from last week, Lingmurth had the second best weekend. He's sixty three hundred. Uh, McGreevy, as we mentioned, had the best weekend. He's sixty two hundred. Kevin Yu had a great weekend. Sixty nine. Higo and Endicott. I'm, I'm just pointing out the guys that are in the six thousand dollar range. Right. Like Aaron Baddeley is sixty five hundred. But do you like looking at that the last two or three rounds or throwing? around out or like you know trying to because we're, we're obviously scraping the bottom here yeah of course and you got to look there's a there's a couple of factors at play like what the good news is and why this is a really nice opportunity to do what you just did rick is there sim you know the profile of a player who's going to have success in bermuda isn't far off from the profile of a player who has success here um, so because although I wouldn't consider them course comps, I do think the course fits kind of match from a statistical standpoint. So it's not like there's some reason why those guys went out and had great weekends. That's going to be vastly different this weekend. Um, so I, I, I do think that's a, a valuable piece of information. We we this is my fault. We missed Justin Lauer in the 7K range. I wrote his name down too. $7,600, which is, I believe, $2,300 cheaper than he was last week. He gained a stroke in every round. He was, he, he, I swear he was T8 on Thursday and he sat at T8 for the entirety of the tournament. And that is just more great, great play from him. We, we should have mentioned him in the $7,000. Yeah. He deserves it. He's been really steady. Um, and another second year standout. Right, held on to his card last year. It was emotional, uh, and now he's coming in and taking full advantage of it. Uh, he's been really fun to watch. Accurate off the tee, you know, loses in distance, but again, here that's not super important. So yeah, that's that's a great stretch of golf from Justin Lauer. Okay, yeah, sorry. Uh, anybody else in the six K range worth mentioning? Uh, two other guys I'm curious about. Okay. One is a flyer, complete flyer, but the price is just fascinating to me. Uh, that's Patton Kazire. Oh. Okay, okay Patton Kazire, 6,300. Uh, he has won here before. The results after haven't been great, uh, but he has never missed a cut. And the other thing I find really interesting about Kazire is the, the results of late haven't been great. Sorry, I don't mean to rhyme. It just happens some of the time. Um, but they haven't been terrible. It's red. It's a little bad in every area, it, but he, it's not a disaster week over week. You know, if, if any one of these weeks was mixed in with some more positive things, you'd say, Oh, well, okay. Th- that happens. That's just what a statistical profile looks like, but you know, he's losing less than one off the tee in two of his last four. And he's losing 0.35 approaching the green. And granted, he's missing cuts because of it. But I just wonder if it's closer than it looks. And his ability 
the ceiling is the ability to win. The price is, well, he's been losing strokes in every ball striking category for the last month. Uh, and he hasn't been making any cuts Why he's, he's at 6,300. I just, I feel like there's a gap there, but I understand it's a flyer. He, uh, he would make a great Dr. Egghead. Look at that mustache. <laughs> Strong, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, you know, it gets kind of, I, th- I think he asked Eric Van Royen to shave his so he could get a little publicity. Nice. It just gets overlooked, but it, yeah, it's, it's nice. Uh, was there one more in the 6k range? Yeah. Who is it? Ryan Moore. Oh. Um, Ryan Moore has gained strokes approaching the green in his last four events. Uh, two of his last four, he's gained putting. He has an, a couple of nice finishes here yeah. as well. Well, well, one, yeah, I guess you could call it two, but tied six here in 2017. And he is still, to this day, extremely accurate off the tee. Yes. Extremely yeah. accurate. And he kind of has that hinge point where it, it's all up to the putting. You'll see him lose strokes uh, off the tee. Like at the Shriners, he finishes tied 28th. He loses two strokes off the tee. He's he's playing from the center of the fairway, I promise you. Mm. It's just, you know, he's sub 160 with his ball speed. It, it's not very, it doesn't go very fast. So he loses strokes. But everything else is really sound in his game. And I think it's a great course fit for him. His club head speed this season is 103.43. Greg, that's how fast I swing the golf club. Yeah. I mean, it's like a, you know, I, I mean, I think my, that's probably around the range of like my hybrid. <laughs> he finds the center of the club face more often than I do, but uh, that's he not would, very fast. He would, he'd take you out back and <laughs> wax you because the guy is so good. I see. He, watch out for him when PGA Tour Champions comes around. I, oh yeah, I see. I see him all the time around Vegas, and uh, yeah, uh, it's just like I will not fall into the. Oh hey, look look at this look at this guy. Let's go play. You know, let's go play nine holes for a hundred bucks a hole. It's like no, Ryan, leave me alone. No. <laughs> no, I know who you are. <laughs> we're not doing that. You're ugly. You're ugly. Your swing is ugly and it's slow. No, and we're it's not. A, it's brutally accurate. <laughs> it's so good. I would love to have that game. So I, I think that's great value at 6,300. All right. There you go. Plenty of value in this field. You're probably going to have to exercise said value if you want to stock up on those you know, top 12 or so, which are clearly uh, some top-tier options. Now, I believe we have some strokes gain narrative lineups, and I was parsing through these, Greg. This is going to be a disaster for me. These are all... <laughs> horrible for me well good news is rick we're an hour in on halloween night and hopefully everybody's out trick-or-treating and they've turned off they've turned us off at this point yeah i've never asked you to turn off the show before go ahead and just turn it off no no (laughs) need to continue watching this one let's see what we've got here julian um see we're already off to a rough start this is he says nod to the trophy to the tune of karma so i'm you know I'm Dr. Egghead over here, Greg. Carmel <laughs> must be a song. We think it's oh, yeah. Taylor Swift, but I don't I don't know this song. No, there she came out with a new song called Karma, but I don't see the I don't see that in the lyrics. So I, I'm leaning towards it's not a Taylor Swift song. So here's what I'll say. Uh go look up Julian on Twitter, Julian Noble I I I. And if you know this song, you can sing it to yourself in your head. It's got uh it's got armors, it's got palmers, it's got some yous and woos, and you're going to have a great time following along if you know that song. I have no idea what that song is. Neither do I. Eric uh, says, oh, okay, so Eric did a little bit of a crossover here with the uh, the early Edge crew. So his AB, not Alan, uh, Alan Bell, but Aaron Baddeley and Uncle Dave Richard Warensky, Richie Warensky. Yeah. Uh, stars Alex, Alex Norin, M squared. That's an easy one. Mav McNeely. Uh, this one. So it's not Fran- Francesco Molinar. It's Francesco. <laughs> That's a good one, Greg. Yeah, I like it. And then this one. Uh, <laughs> cousin Emil Sia. Siano Najat. This is Sia Najat Emiliano Grillo crossover. Oh, Sia, I'm sure did not expect to get mixed to be called Emiliano Grillo to have his name mixed in there, and he'll be thrilled about it. 
yes, we're missing Sia today, but we'll have him uh, back as soon as possible. Ryan, a uh, staple here in our Sharkscape narrative lineups. These are much easier, and they are uh, Halloween items, and these are pretty good. How about this one? Zam Byung Hyun Kim. I love it. That's pretty good. I love it. Patton, Kiz Vampire. Easy, simple. You can read it and we get it. SH Pumpkin. <laughs> JT Ghosted, not JT Posted. Robbie Skeleton. <laughs> That's my favorite. This is uh, my favorite. Witchy Warinsky. Yeah. Awesome. Strong, strong, strong. And then he says, hashtag Doug Gim Reaper. I think we have one more. Two, uh, one more slide. Okay, this one, I don't know what we've done here, but this is from DFS Influencer, who I believe has taken golfers in this lineup and said what they would be for Halloween or what they look like. His words, not mine. Kevin Streelman, quote, literally David Lee Roth with a nose job. I don't know who that is. Brendan Todd, Buffalo Wild Wings manager. I guess this is what he's going as for Halloween. Okay. Taron, gloved villain Jason Statham beats up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pat Kazire looks like an NFL referee, apparently. The mustache will do that. KH Lee, this one's obvious. He's a supermodel. Yep. Didn't he call himself the sexiest man in the world? Yes. Yep. And then Billy Horschel, no doubt about it, multi-platinum selling hip-hop artist. Oh, wow. Maybe the best dressed man on, on tour. Would you agree, Billy Horschel? Uh, yeah, he's up there. That's for sure. I like the shoes. The shoes are uh, something that not everybody likes. I some, like people, some people don't. I, li- I like the classic look. So it, It's a classic look, and yeah. I respect it. I just don't like it. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Uh, John Markowski, thank you, John, for sticking with candies here. It is Halloween. Uh, Victor seeking to three-peat. So three musketeers, John's yep. going with Halloween candy. First off, Snickers Hardy. Great. Awesome. Kevin Milky Tway. <laughs> this is why John's the goat. Nest Lee Crunch Hodges. <laughs> Nest Lee Crunch Hodges is, I guess, how I should say that. Yep. <laughs> Dean Burmister Goodbar. <laughs> That's so that's so creative. <laughs> so funny. Party Smarties Laird. <laughs> and Joel D- Damon Joy. Damon <laughs> Joy. Dom uh, yeah. Damon Joy. Damon Joy. Yeah. Oh boy. Good job, John. Thank you very much for that. Very good. Whew. Anything else, Greg, before we get out of here? I'm looking forward to it, Rick. But um, lastly, happy Halloween and just brush, just brush your teeth. Happy Halloween. Brush your teeth. Be safe. And uh, we'll be back on Tuesday for a mega preview pod for now. Producer Troy does all the hard work behind the scenes. Greg Ducharme available on Twitter at The Real GFD. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time. 